Hey, welcome into Positive Life Podcast. We're bringing a positive influence into this world and into your lives. Hi, I'm Bob Miles, and today's subject is going to be on self-worth. We're not talking about your bank account. We're talking about self-worth in God's eyes. And the difference between selfishness and self-worth, well, for many of us, the idea of loving yourself is one we either shy away from or we don't give much thought to. It may be that we're concerned that if we pay ourselves too much attention, we could become prideful and push God into the background. Or it may be that we were just taught simply to not think about ourselves and attempt to focus only on God. But there is an important difference between selfishness and self-worth. The issue here is that we all have an idea of our worth, even if we're not aware of it. Whether we consciously think about it or not, we all feel a certain way about ourselves, because we're made to. And what we feel will naturally impact the way we live our lives, interact with God and other people. It's clear that God wants us to live intentionally. He desires us to make wise choices that benefit our well-being and help us remain close to Him. We simply can't do that if we don't love ourselves. If we don't grasp and appreciate our value, we won't treat ourselves with respect. This may mean we talk negatively about ourselves and look for every chance to be critical. It may mean that we stay in unhealthy relationships because we think we can't find better ones or we don't deserve them. It often means we don't take care of ourselves emotionally or physically. Obviously, God doesn't want us to put ourselves above everyone else, but he does desire for us to be good stewards of our bodies and minds. He doesn't want others to hurt us, and he doesn't want us to hurt ourselves. He wants us to choose behaviors and situations that will bless us and match up to his opinion and the truth of our value. Yes, the more we know God's love for us, the more we love ourselves. But sometimes, the more we love ourselves, the more we know God's love for us. So let me explain. The message of Christianity is that God values us enough to send his Son on our behalf. His gift of grace is prededicated on our worth to him. But what if we don't let ourselves believe that we are, in fact, valuable? While the word is clear on this topic, Zephaniah 3.17 and Romans 5.8, hurtful relationships or traumatic past can make us feel that we aren't good enough. And if our hearts really wrestle with that, we may be hesitant to accept that we are fully accepted and loved as God's children. Even the concept of Jesus taking our sins so that we will be clean is not always easy to accept for the person who is reluctant to stop blaming themselves. If we are plagued with shame, we may hide as Adam and Eve did. We close ourselves to the tenderness that is available to us. God may tell us we can come boldly to the throne, but if we choose to hold on to our shame, we will pass up what he's offering. So God longs for us to truly believe that we are treasure to him, and that grace is in fact a free gift. Only when we recognize that as God's children we are inherently special to him can we imagine why he might give his life to be close to us, and only then will we open to experience his love and mercy. Most of us are familiar with the second commandment, love your neighbors as you love yourself. Have you noticed that the understanding here is that you start off by loving yourself? 
If you don't love yourself, you won't be able to love your neighbors. This is often painfully clear in interactions where one person feels so lousy about themselves, they want to make others feel just as bad. A bully often has a low self-esteem, so they want their peers to feel the same way. People who are rude or easily angered, even those who seem prideful, often feel something missing inside and are just pretending they're secure. On the other side of the coin, many people who don't love themselves allow others, often others who also don't love themselves, to walk all over them. They may accept poor treatment or enable addictions of their loved ones. Not only does this not honor who they are, it also is not even real love. Real love does what is right for another person. Even if it's hard, it makes healthy choices. People who are encouraged to continue bad behavior stay stuck and are not shown real love. God, who is love, never enables unhealthy behavior, but stands up for what's true and good. Simply put, only when we love ourselves can we give love to others that is genuine and life-giving. We must all consider and meditate on how God loves us, but there is even more to it. After focusing on His love, we need to accept it. We need to start with the knowledge that it's real. We're important to Him, each one of us, no matter what we've done or not done. As we accept His love, we must also decide we're going to agree with Him and apply that love inward to ourselves. This means learning how to forgive ourselves for the past, being kind and patient with ourselves in the present, and being hopeful for our future. It means we treat ourselves and others more the way God does. This will be the open door to the life and relationship with God that is intended for us. So next, I'd like to tell you a story. And the story is called The Parable of a Ring's True Worth. So once a young man came to a wise man and said, I've come to you because I feel so worthless that I don't want to live anymore. Everyone around me says that I'm a failure and a fool. I'm begging you, please help me. The wise man glanced at him and hurriedly answered, I'm sorry, but I'm very busy now, and I can't possibly help you. I have an urgent matter to take care of. He stopped for a moment, thinking, then added, But if you agree to help me get this done, then I will gladly help you afterwards. Of, of course, murmured the young man, noting bitterly, that yet again his concerns had been dismissed as unimportant. Great, said the wise man, and took off from his finger a small ring with a beautiful gem. Take a horse and go to the market. I have to sell this ring as soon as possible and pay off a debt. Try to get as much as you can for it, and no matter what, do not agree to anything less than a gold coin. Go now and come back as soon as you can. The young man took the ring and rode away. When he got to the market, he offered the ring to the merchants, and they looked it over with interest. However, as soon as they heard that it will cost at least a gold coin, they lost all interest. Some laughed right in his face. Others simply turned away. And only one older merchant kindly explained that a gold coin is too high of a price for such a ring, and the most he could get for it would be a silver coin or a bronze. When the young man heard that, he was distraught. Remembering he was remembering the wise man's directions did not take any less than a gold coin. 
He went through the entire market and offered the ring to over a hundred people, but nothing changed. He got on his horse and rode back to the wise man. I wasn't able to sell your ring, he said with sadness. No one was willing to pay me a gold coin for it. I could have gotten a silver coin, but that's not what the ring is worth. Now that's a very important point, my son, said the wise man. Before trying to sell a ring, you should find out what it's worth. And who can know better than a jeweler? Go to the jeweler and ask him what he will offer us for the ring. But no matter what he says, don't sell the ring. Just come back to me right away. The young man jumped on his horse and rode to the jeweler. The jeweler carefully and patiently examined the ring, waited on his scale, then turned to the young man. Tell your master that right now, I can't give him more than 58 gold coins, but if he gives me some time, I'll buy it for 70 to compensate for the weight. 70 gold coins, this young man explained. He laughed, thanked the jeweler, and raced back to the wise man. The wise man listened to the account of what happened and looked at the young man in his eyes. Remember this, my son, you are like this ring, precious and unique and only a real expert can appreciate your true worth. So why are you wasting your time going to random people to find out what it is? When your godly father knows your worth, the real expert is God. He is the one that breathed life into you. He knows your true worth. It's not what you do that gives you worth, but whom you belong. So next, I'm going to introduce a song. I'd like to play a song for you called He Knows My Name by Tommy Walker. Again, Tommy Walker, you can get him on uh, YouTube. You can subscribe to his channel. He's also at TommyWalkerMinistries.org. So here's the song, He Knows My Name. My every 
He knows my name. Can you believe it? He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call. And He hears me. Wow, what a great song. And the lyrics that I like the best that Tommy Walker sings, he says, He knows my name, he knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls, and he hears me when I call. Wow, how important is that? He hears me when I call. Rick Warren states, you don't have to prove your worth. When you find yourself stuck in overwork, you need to remember your value to God. This is the exact opposite of basing your worth on your work, your career, or your full-time role. It's a countercultural and may require a major change in your thinking, especially if a little voice in your head keeps saying, you've got to prove you matter. You don't have to prove your worth. God says that you're already extremely valuable. You'll never be valuable to God than you are right now. You'll never be less valuable to God than you are right now. How valuable are you? Your Heavenly Father created you. Jesus died for you. If you are a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. God doesn't create anything without purpose or intention. The fact that you're alive means God loves you and wanted you alive. You're priceless. You're a masterpiece. It's not what you do that gives you worth, but to whom you belong. 
God created you and he loves you. He made you just the way he made you to be. You don't have to be somebody else. Did you know that God has a tattoo of you? Isaiah 49, 15 and 16 says, Can a mother forget her little child and not have love for her own son? Yet even if that shouldn't be, I will not forget you. See, I have tattooed your name upon my palm. Are you perfect? Absolutely not. Are you broken? Yes. Are you a sinner? Yes. But are you infinite value? Yes. And you are deeply loved by God. So Billy Graham states, you are greater than your work. Work is a part of God's plan for our lives. Work is not something we do just to put food on the table. It is one of the major ways God has given us to bring glory to him. The writer of Ecclesiastes declared, A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. Paul said, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, out of 1 Corinthians 10.31. For the most of his life, Jesus worked with his hands. Isn't this a carpenter? Some of his enemies sneered, assuming incorrectly, that an ordinary occupation such as carpentry surely disqualified him from being the Messiah, out of Mark 6.3. The Apostle Paul likewise worked with his hands, often earning his living as a tent maker during his travels, out of Acts 18.3. In God's eyes, every legitimate work has dignity and importance, which means we should do our work with pride and diligence and integrity. But our work was never meant to become the center of our lives. That place belongs only to God. And when we allow our work to dominate and control us, then it has become an idol to us. And that is wrong. Someone has, who brags about working 70 or 80 hours or more a week probably thinks he is the master of his job. But in reality, he has become its slave. In addition, because his life is so wrapped up in his work, his identity or sense of self-worth, that is, his understanding of his value or significance as a person, often comes to depend on his ability to work. Unfortunately, our materialistic society only reinforces this view. But God says you are greater than your work, and your work is only a part of his plan for you. So from Joyce Meyer, she states, Finding your self-worth where it matters most. Every person on earth needs to know they matter, that they mean something to someone, and that they are valuable. The problem is, when people don't get a good start in life, they often waste their lives in searching for self-worth in all the wrong places. In the world, people base their value and importance on what they do, how much education they have, who they know, what kind of clothes they wear, how they look, their job title, and the list goes on. But when worldly standards determine your sense of self-worth, you'll always be striving to please people and it will derail you from your God-given destiny. The only way to find true security and have a healthy self-esteem is by knowing and experiencing the love of God. The Apostle Paul talked about this in Galatians 1.10 when he said, I am trying to win the favor of men or of God. Do I seek to please men? 
If I were still seeking popularity with men, I should not be a bondservant of Christ, the Messiah. He basically saying, if I were trying to be popular with people, I wouldn't be serving God and know that he loves me. So Joyce Meyer says, I can tell you that I was trying to be popular with people and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. When God spoke to my heart about his call on my life to teach the word and begin to step out in that ministry, some of my friends and family told me I shouldn't be doing that. I was asked to leave the church we were attending at the time, and I ended up losing friendships that I thought were important to me. Joyce said it was a very difficult time, but I discovered through that experience that while it's not always easy to do what God calls us to do, Obedience to him is always worth it in the end. Doing things God's way is the only thing that works in the long run. There are people in your life, I'm talking about people other than your spouse and children, who may come and go over time. But God will always be with you because he loves you and he promises to never leave you nor forsake you in Hebrews 13.5. So the bottom line is you are valuable because God loves you and he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Your worth is not based on how you look, who you know, your title at work, or any of other superficial things that would consider impressive. After Paul met Christ and became a born-again believer, he came to realize that everything else was rubbish compared to the priceless privilege of knowing God. In Philippians 3.8, He said, I count everything as lost compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. For his sake, I have lost everything, and I consider it all garbage, so that I may gain Christ. I'll say it again. The truth that God loves you is what makes you valuable. He created you because he loves you and wants to have a personal relationship with you. He has a wonderful plans and purposes for your life, and his love for you is unconditional. He loves you just as much on your worst day as he does on your best day. So no matter what your past is like, where you're from, what you've done, or where you are today, God is there for you and he loves you. He loves us all the same, and he wants to meet us right where we are to heal our wounded souls and bring us out of the messes we're in, whether we've created them or they are the result of things others have done to us. And in scripture, here's what it says about self-worth out of Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And in scripture, here's what it says about self-love. 1 John 3, 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So when you don't feel like you're good enough, it's easy to want to blend in, hide in the back, and avoid bringing any attention to yourself. 
But God commands you to be strong and courageous, not in your own abilities or strength, but because God will be with you wherever you go. You can live in confidence because of his strength. So here's uh, my testimony on my self-esteem. So when I was younger, I had terrible self-esteem. I came from a dysfunctional family like a lot of us went through. I was a Christian, but I didn't know the meaning of it. And at that time, I was driving for a delivery company, and one day, a lady ran a red light and T-boned me. They took me to the hospital and checked me out. What had happened during the accident, I hit my chest against the steering wheel, and it bruised a muscle next to my heart. My heart started to react to that bruised muscle, and it was beating extremely fast. And of course, everyone around me got very concerned and put me straight into ICU at the hospital for 12 hours. You know, so after 12 hours, my heart settled back down to a normal rhythm, and but I was pretty sore all over from the accident, and they decided to keep me and admitted me into a regular room for observation. During that time, I only had one person come and see me, and he only stayed there for a few minutes. You see, I had very little friendships, and my self-worth was non-existent. I remember laying in the hospital bed, and I just crying and thinking, if I died, nobody would come to my funeral. I started praying to God, and I said, if you are a living God, show me you are. Show me the path to get me out of this situation I'm in. I had to lie to the doctor that I had somebody at home to help me before he would let me go home. You know, I didn't have anybody at home and to help me, and I was living in a storeroom with no running water and no windows. I went home and went back to work right away. But God listened to my prayer, and he put things into motion for me. He orchestrated for someone to meet me and who took me to a new church and I got involved with a ministry called New Life Victorious. It changed my life. I started to go to a Christian-based self-esteem class and developed some really good friends. It also led to a Christian counseling that I did for about a year and a half. I remember one of the exercises that I did was to wake up every morning and tell myself that I love myself. I would actually get in front of the mirror, and I would say to myself, Bob, I love you. I love you, Bob. I did that for six months every day. And it worked. And through counseling, I also cleaned up a lot of dysfunctional thinking I had. What I found out is that if I didn't love myself, I wouldn't believe other people's love for me. Because I only believed how much they loved me where my love was for me. I truly do love myself today, and I have numerous friends and a beautiful wife that loves me more than anyone else on this planet, which back then I would have never believed, all because God heard my prayer and put things into action, and I took the steps that God laid out for me. Remember your worth comes from God, and it's okay to love yourself. If God thinks you're worthy enough to send his son down to die for you, you should think you're pretty valuable. Because you know that if you were the only person on earth, God will have still sent his son down to die for you. That is how valuable you are to God. So my prayer as always is that God blesses the journey that he's on with you and that you embrace the the path that he has you on. 
So next week's subject is going to be on prayer, what it is, and what it can do for you. Hey everybody, you can connect with me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can also get Positive Light Podcasts for free everywhere you download your podcasts. It's been an awesome week, guys, and we'll talk to you next week.